You're listening to Panthers on Tap. I'm Curtis Round, joined by Bryson Carbley. We're just two fans sharing our love for the game and Carolina Panthers football. So join us, crack open a cold one, some bubbly, a little wine, some scotch. We don't care whatever makes you sleep better at night. Before we get into tonight's episode, stop what you're doing. Go give us a follow on Twitter at Panthers on Tap. Join our discussion on the, our Facebook group. We have over 2,500 members. You can also listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Just search Panthers on Tap. Bryson, we got a first timer on the show tonight. Unnecessary bluntness. You guys know him on Twitter at Dunk on Demand. You can also catch him on his YouTube channel, Unnecessary Bluntness Sports Talk. Over, I think you're around 5,000 subscribers. So, congrats, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us. No doubt, man. Appreciate you guys having me. And uh, happy holidays getting ready for this Thanksgiving week. But glad sure. to be with you guys. Sure. Yeah, it's. It's an interesting week. Um, Washington football team came to town and spoiled Cam Newton's homecoming at Bank of America Stadium 27-21. Let's just get right to it, guys. What happened in this one? What you see from Cam? What you see from the defense? What you like? What you hate? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start us off. Um, <clears throat> I thought Cam played well for, you know, him coming off the couch nine, ten days ago. Uh you could tell that the playbook was limited, and I, and I think Matt Rule addressed that and said that it was more of, you know, him and Joe Brady than it was Cam Newton's ability to, to throw the ball down the field. Um, I thought he played well. Like I said, he you know, he threw for 189 yards, two touchdowns, rushed for a touchdown. Um, that rushing touchdown brought back a lot of memories for me. Um, and then just, like, you know, the, the entrance of, of him coming onto the field with I'm coming home, him coming out of the tunnel, yelling, this is my city. Like, it was just like an outer world experience. Um, for me, just being a, a Cam Newton fan. So um, I was pleased with his performance. You know, he, he wasn't perfect by any means. Um, I think he missed a couple of throws. You know, he, he could have got the ball a couple uh, quicker a couple of times. But uh, overall, I thought it was good for, um, you know, him coming off the couch 10 days ago. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, 10 carries, 59 yards, and then he had seven receptions for 60 yards. He was the leading rusher and um, receiver in the game. Uh, he had a touchdown, um, that beautiful pass from Cam. Uh, I thought the offense played – well enough usually for the Panthers to win a game, um, but the defense let down the offense all day long, um, allowing Washington football team to just really gash them at will. Uh, Taylor High touchdowns. They allowed 190 yards rushing. Um, McLaurin ate Dante's lunch all day long, uh, 103 yards and a touchdown. Um, they were picking on Dante Jackson all day. Uh, I think Ron Rivera identified him as a weakness and went at it uh, and kind of exploited it. So uh, I was not pleased with the defense um, at all. Uh, the Panthers, you know, uh, they've been having issues with penalties a lot lately. Uh, they lead the league in, with 81 penalties now. So that's something that needs to be addressed. I think when, when you got when you have an issue with penalties, that comes down to coaching and discipline. And I don't think that DBO signs really doing its job with these grown men. Uh, they, they aren't college kids. So, I think Matt Rule's got a lot to learn. Um, but uh, there, there were positives and negatives coming out of this game. Um, and, you know, hopefully they can build on it and move on and, and take some of that stuff to Miami and, and get a win down there. Aaron, were, were you – I think you were at the game, right? Did you get to – you were there? Yeah. What would you see? What would you see? Uh, I mean, just like what Bryce has said, like – the entrance, the circumstances, it just, it really did seem like a movie. Like the, the way it played out, the smoke, the coming home song, uh, 
even him getting the rushing touchdown and running the midfield and putting the, putting the ball on the logo. Uh, it, it, it just, yeah, everything went right except the win. You know, like the circumstances perfect. Cam's first game back, um, but the atmosphere was electric. Um, the uh, it seemed sold out, but it was a pretty good crowd. Uh, clearly, the f- football team shopped early. The football team fans shopped early because they were, they had a pretty good section uh, close to the sideline, so they were there too. But the atmosphere was pretty good. Um, it, it was it was a pretty good game to experience in person. Uh, as far as exactly what happened on the field, yeah, I mean, just piggyback Rice and said those penalties, man, they hurt. And some of them were kind of questionable, like the the Burris penalty, the the I guess the shoulder. It really was a shoulder. He put his shoulder on the ball. Like it, it doesn't get much cleaner than that in this this type of in 2021 in football. So that was a bad call. Um, I, I felt some type of way about two here or there, but um, obviously it just seemed like the the offense uh, they did what they could. And like Bryson said, normal circumstances that'd be good enough. I mean. It wasn't a great offensive performance overall. Cam was very efficient and did what he needed to do, especially being on for 10 days, but um, didn't really have a great balance of running game like we've seen with other backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Christian got his 10 carries, and it could be a product of Cam being added system, but we didn't see much of uh, Amir Abdullah, as we've seen, or Chuba the past few weeks as far as getting carries. Um, so that was a little bit little bit something there, but, um, I mean, it, 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 the defense – They've had a couple of these type of games where they've been exploited. Um, mm-hmm. Different way. I mean, the, the common denominator has been running the ball, obviously, but it's not that it's just one set thing. We've been getting hit different ways. Went kind of heavy on us because we play, we play a lot of DBs, and they ran in on us. Washington, they ran a lot more zone heavy, and their offensive front isn't any slouches on the inside. A controversy around Derrick Brown's performance and uh, him getting moved around pretty easy, but yeah. They, I mean, they're pretty decent too up front. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bryson said it picked on Dante. Um, you, you, these are weaknesses that you've seen all year. Mm-hmm. They just kind of got exploited all at the same time, and I, I, that's 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 really all I got from that. Uh, yeah, just going back, I I felt like Carolina kind of went back in their ways with running the ball more. Christian McCaffrey, I thought they needed to use Chuba a little bit more, uh, sprinkling Abdullah as well. I thought. Um, they got away from that, and Joe Brady got away from that. But I thought, like you guys said, I thought Cam played well, 21-27. You can't ask for much better than that. He was efficient, didn't turn the ball over. That's what you want out of this offense. So, you know, the offense played up to par from what seemed like would have been a victory. But, yeah, the defense wet the bed, um, and Dante got exposed. So you'd like – You'd like to see them bounce back this week, and hopefully they can, and we'll get into that later. But they really got to start, you know, honing their craft on both sides of the ball and becoming a consistent football team all across the board. And that's something that's something they're lacking right now. Go ahead. I, I was going to say, <clears throat> I think it's very concerning that, you know, Washington had some injuries on the offensive line. They were shuffling people in and out, and they were just mauling our defensive line all day in the run game, pushing them down, just – doing whatever they wanted at will. And, you know, with the talent that we have on the defensive line with, you know, Derek Brown, Daquan Jones, Brian Burns, Son Reddick, and so forth, like you expect them to at least make a couple stops on in the run game. But uh, I think right now the Panthers rank 18th in the league in rush defense and like the last three games, I think they ranked like 27th or something like that. But um, what would you guys think of Cam running the hat, uh, the, the logo? 
Did you think that was selfish? I know that the, the no. talk heads were talking about it today. I just thought I'd bring it up. No, that's that's stupid to say it's selfish. He's back in a city where he was the king and the king's back. And, you know, he was emotional and he wanted to just just express himself probably. Like, it, it, I'm sure it got energy going on the sideline. His teammates probably appreciated it. I mean, it, he – to me, he was being a leader, in my opinion. But I'm sure you, you got people that are that are going to say the other other way. Yeah, but. yeah. It's feel to the fire if you're on the cam is selfish and he only cares about a self train. Like it's it's just it's it's bulletin board material for you if you feel like that. Um, me in the mm-hmm. circumstances, I get it. It's like there's a lot of emotion. Um, I kind of cringe whenever stuff like that's happened because I know Matt Rule is kind of like dying on the inside a little bit every time he sees that because <laughs> I, I don't know. That's why I, I kind of cringe at times, like kind of secondhand uh embarrassment per se because i know rule feels a certain type of way but he can't really like say anything to him he can but he can't really say anything to him especially after the celebration last week and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. um i mean it was a it was an emotional moment um he scored three touchdowns even ran a long one and that's it was gonna happen i mean it was Mm -hmm. gonna happen and it was just uh, something different. He he's never played with the Panthers logo on the field, so that's something <laughs> new to the stadium. He had to go feel out what the paint looked like from there. Va- valid point. Valid that is true. Point. That is true. <laughs> you know, Hassan Hassan on Monday talked about this, and I thought this was interesting. He talked about this buddy buddy system, and guys need to be tougher on guys and set set friendships aside, and you know, really get on guys when they're when they're fucking up. So. What are when he said that, what do you guys think he's referring to? Is this something with the players? Because he talked about leaders in general, and he did kind of focus on players, but is is this specifically on players? Is this coaching too? Like what what is he what is he referring to when he said that? Um in my opinion, I, I thought it was players. Uh I think it's players holding other players accountable and just kind of calling them out when they're not getting their job done is is the way I took it, at least. Uh and and that's what happens when you have twenty guys on your team from Temple and Baylor, uh, and they they've known each other for a long time, and uh, they're going to be buddy buddy. But I think I think in my opinion, what the way I took it as as Hassan Reddick is saying, they need to hold people accountable, player to player, and say like if if you're not filling your gap, if you're not staying true to the gap that you're supposed to fill in the run game or whatever it may be in coverage, uh, covering who you're supposed to cover, they got to call people out and not just let it slide because. When you let it slide, this is what happens. They don't feel like they have to make a change or they don't feel like it's it's that big of a deal. But when they're being held accountable and called out in front of everybody, it kind of, I would suspect, changes their opinion on things. Yeah, I mean, same thing my way. Yeah, the, the, the buddy thing, I get it. Because, I mean, even before Rule got here, I mean, and it could just me be talking about the, Talking about the Panthers in the microscope, but I just don't notice if any other the vibe around our team seems very buddy, but it always seemed like that. Whether it's Cam's nicknames or all the cool little social media tricks and interviews and stuff they do, like the vibe around the team has always seemed like that. It's been a close knit unit. Like I said, it could be a product of Cam Newton. It's just been residual since then, and now that he's back, it's still whatever. Um, obviously, like Bryson said, the the background a lot of these guys have with each other and the coaches, um, but it seemed to be the uh, the the common denominator was execution. I mean, mm-hmm. Rule said that he didn't blame – he said he thought the scheme that Phil drew up was good. He said they just didn't execute. Guys didn't do their job. Shaq, he was pissed off in his press conference. All he oh, kept yeah. talking about was doing your job, doing your job, everybody doing their job, doing Forward their job. answers. Yeah. And Hassan, 
almost the same thing. He went into a little bit more detail about the do your job part is guys need to hold everybody accountable for doing their job, you know? So, and you see it on the field. I mean, not doing your job, Dante, looking in the backfield and man coverage, getting beat over the top. Guys, you get pushed out of the way on his own read. So instead of staying in your gap, you're going to try to undercut it so you don't get pancaked again. And now you create a big cutback lane. So everybody is about trusting your guy beside you and doing your job. You got to trust that if you do your job, everybody else is going to do their job and the plays will be made. You see them doing that in the games that they win and dominate on the ground. But these three, four performances where they've just been destroyed on the ground has made them go middle of the pack because they've had some dominant performances in the run game. Yep. And they've also been walked like a dog in other <laughs> games. So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's it, 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 I mean, I get it. It goes back to doing your job for real. And it seems like it's execution. I know the coordinators get a lot of um, um, flack, but it's hard to kind of tell what their design is. We're not in those meetings, so we don't know how they want to attack these teams. Uh, sometimes you can say a play call is dumb. You just know it. Like if you're only blitzing yeah. three, you're not getting home and you're not getting coverage or you have to come after them or you're blitzing. And every time they blitz you, you can be, yeah, those are the type of stuff that's easy. But when you see guys on the like the zone, the zone is all about assignments. And if guys aren't doing their assignments, you get, you get stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I can see it. I don't think it's – I think there's a lot there to be said about just doing your job. I don't think it's just they're blowing smoke and having catchphrases. I mean, I think it's legit. But, yeah. Aaron, what's going on at home, though? Because this team, I mean, you look at them versus Arizona, and they look like they could beat almost anyone out there. And then they come home and – it's just, it's a, it just seems like this team just cannot find their groove at home. I did, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, you think that home stands are a lot easier because of the routine, but sometimes it can get a little bit too messy, I guess, because of routine. Like I said, uh, tickets and all that stuff. But some of these previous games, I mean, if you want to put the crowd into it, it's been an overlap until this game. Obviously, when Cam came back, the Eagles game comes to mind. The Minnesota game comes to mind where it was more of the opposing fans than the other ones. So the advantage is almost neutralized. And mm-hmm. I mean, these days, I mean, yeah, it's tough to win on the road. I mean, there's certain places are harder than others, but if you can pretty much neutralize it and have business as usual, the opponent gets a little bit of advantage there too. But I, I really can't place my thumb up on a preparation side for the Panthers. It's just, it doesn't make sense. In theory, you're better at home, but mm-hmm. that doesn't seem to be true. That's crazy, though. It's just crazy to me that they just struggle at home. I don't get it, man. Bryson, any thoughts on that? Yeah, it blows my mind that they're just struggling this this bad at home. I mean, they haven't won in two months since the Saints game. Like, that's that is just ridiculous. You're supposed to take care of yours at, at home, and, and they can't. Um, like, on Sunday, this past Sunday, like, the main issue that I think was the – problem on the field was that they could not get off the field on third down. Like, and, and when they did, uh, like they, they, uh, Washington went six for 13 on fourth on third down and then two for two on fourth down. So the, essentially they went eight for 13 on, on plays where they might've gotten off the field if the Panthers got a stop. And that's just ridiculously bad. Um, I think the, the backbreaker was that fourth down conversion where Jermaine Carter almost had Taylor Heineke wrapped up and then Taylor Heineke, Brett Favre did and got it to whoever the hell he threw it to, uh, <laughs> and converted that fourth down, and that's when they went down and took the lead. So uh, the defense was just not good um, Sunday, and it really, like, it kind of caught – I think it caught everybody off guard because nobody really expected it. Like, it's Taylor Heineke. Uh, it's a Washington football team that isn't an offensive juggernaut by any means. Um, <clears throat> but Ron Rivera outcoached Matt Rule 
and the Washington football team outplayed the Carolina Panthers. So um, they, you, you got to give give them credit. They almost played a perfect game. I mean, they turned the ball over once, but uh, it, it was it was a perfect game on Washington football team, and then they got the job done. And um, now the Panthers have to worry about so many tiebreakers and uh, hope, hope that the Washington football team doesn't win out. Hope that the 49ers don't keep winning and get in the playoff contingent. Like they have so many obstacles now to get into playoffs, but that's what we're going to get into here in a little bit. But while we're talking about the players and stuff, um, and when we were highlighting Dante Jackson, I had a question for you guys about Dante. Um, he is a free agent this offseason. You know, he, there's a lot of talk about him. Um, I want to see if you guys would resign Dante. I, I'm not sure what his market value is. It's, it's probably pretty high. I would probably, I would guess like 13, 14 million a year or something like that. Um, and then if you had to pick between Dante and Stefan Gilmore, who are you signing? I'll, 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 I'll go first. I, I'd re I'd resign Dante. I think he's a, he's a pillar. I don't know if that's the right word, but he's a pillar of Matt rule, the Matt rule way. I feel like he's a Matt rule guy, even though he wasn't drafted by him. And I mean, last game, yeah, he struggled, but I feel like Dante's had a pretty good year this year. He seems way more um, disciplined as a player, way more mature from uh, we talked about this several times from if you take Dante and all or nothing, you take Dante this year. It's like two different people. It really is. Uh, I like him as a player. I think he adds uh, he adds a component to this defense with his speed and, you know, his um, involvement in the locker room. I feel like he's got somewhat of, if you, if you went to some of the training camp, I feel like he was a leader within that cornerback room. And I, I, I wouldn't, I would like them to resign him. I think he, I think he would be a good signing. And I think going to your second question, I think they can, I think there's a way they could keep both Dante and Stefan. I know that may be dreaming a little bit, but I think there's a way they could do it. So I'd like to see both of them back if possible. Yeah. I, uh, I like Dante. Um, and the depth of our cornerback room allows us to ideally, obviously the Stefan Gilmore thing this week about injuries was a little bit different, but we, it, it allows us to be able to put Dante cause some, there's some matchups for Dante that just aren't good. Like bigger body guys. Like we saw him get cooked by Julio last year. Um, maybe if we play guys like, uh who knows other big receiver, like maybe a Mike Evans and stuff like that. We've seen him get beat by Mike in the matchups too. He's not that good. But if you put him against a speed guy, a shifty guy, typically he's pretty good. He's good at the deep ball. Typically um, when he's not looking in the backfield, he has that speed. He has the attitude that he brings that a lot of players on this team. I mean, on defense doesn't really have, he, he, he's very confident in himself, no matter um, how little that he may seem compared to other players. And he's been active in the run game this year. This is something that he's really, really added to his repertoire. I don't think it's, I don't know how you can say it. I mean, but he's been laying the wood, not just on receivers, which he's been doing, but he's also been setting the edge of the running game. A lot of the times these running schemes try to funnel running backs on the edge and have one one-on-one -on -one with the corner, but he's been standing tall a lot of those times. Um, and it's paid off, but I think it's tough because you have so many other pieces. You have the CJ Henderson project. Uh, I'm definitely signing Gilmore first, but can you do both? That's the tough part. Um, we heard about Boye being on the trade market, which shows me that they're probably going to extend Dante. And like you said, he's on brand. He's the he's part of the Matt Rule brand. 
Um, Matt Brewer has been consistent in his sentiments towards Dante literally since day one. Like he's he said it word for word. Like this is the brand of player that I like for my team. And so Matt Rule blows a lot of smoke also, but I think you can actually trust him on this one because he's, he's gone on his way to do it. Usually he doesn't really go out his way to do it, but he's done that. And uh, I think he sticks around. Like they, they got to get creative though, but uh, I think he sticks around. Yeah. I think then making him a captain this year kind of says a lot too about how Matt Rule feels about him because he wasn't a captain ever before. And, um, but yeah, he, he did take the step. I think, uh, maturity wise this this year maybe over the past couple seasons um and kind of take the lead in the locker room somewhat um but i don't know man i i think if if it were ever to come down between like hassan reddick and dante jackson i think that's a pretty easy decision for the football for us to choose um but uh i i just i i see it hard for them to be able to keep everybody and i think that if they have to choose uh, between Gilmore and Dante, I think they let Dante walk. Um, I, I I don't know if Dante is going to command more than <clears throat> Gilmore will, but uh, it, I, if I had to guess, it'd probably be around the same. But I just I think Gilmore with 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 this uh, draft of J.C. Horn and they, then they traded for C.J. Henderson and A.J. Bouye and um, is A.J. Bouye under contract next season? He is right. One more year. And one more year. So I, I think they're set up to let him walk. Um, I don't think that he's going to be um, necessarily a high priority um, in my opinion for, for them, but I think if they can get it done, they will. But if not, I don't think they're going to stress about it. Um, and, and I think that they're going to try to, you know, maybe make improvements in other places. Cause, cause like, like we said, the, the cornerback room is one of the, the deepest rooms in the, on the team. And, and uh, they have pieces to, to be able to allow that to happen. So um <clears throat> I would like for him to be resigned, sure, but I, I just don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, you got anything else on that, Curtis? No, I, I, I'm ready to move on. I wanted to bring up something, and this is – we were all at the game, and this was one thing I was cheering for, and maybe I kind of – well, I'm, I, don't, I, won't, I don't regret it that I did it, but I was cheering for Joey Sly to kick field goals. I really was. And that was an element of the game. You know, we all know what would happen with Joey this year, but things got a little heated this week with fans. He put on Instagram a photo of him kicking a field goal, and he said, I'm back. And it seemed like it was uh, maybe a shot at Cam Newton. He cl- he later clarified and said it wasn't. But I just want to know your get your guys' thoughts on it. Were you butthurt over it? What would you think of Joey? I Like I said, I, w- I was che- I was literally cheering for him to come on and kick because I thought he would miss field goals. And Ron Rivera called a timeout when I felt like they could have kicked one deep. So just I just want to get your thoughts on uh, Mr. Sly. Yeah, I thought I thought it was clearly a, a play at what Cam, the game in Arizona when Cam yelled on back. I mean, it was clearly um, towards that. And I, I don't know if it was necessarily, you know, a bash at Cam Newton, but um, it, it's he's Joey Sly. He's been cut from 40 different teams, and there's only 32 teams in the league. Uh, he he misses field goal after field goal after field goal, and of course he comes into Carolina and, and makes all of his field goal kicks and PATs. But um, he has no room to to be making posts like that. I mean, he was cut for a reason. He was bad. He was a bad kicker. And um, Zane Gonzalez has come in and filled his position very nicely for Carolina. Um, but yeah, I you know I it's it's just irritating to to see things like that, and 
Um, I don't, you know, I don't think Cam Newton's worried about it at all. I don't think it bothers him at all, but uh, it's, it's just annoying for fans to, to see. And, um, and you just kind of move on quickly from it. Aaron, you going to waste your time with Sly? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I felt a little bit of type of way about it, but it, you can de- like, you could deny it all you want. Like, God, we saw we, the writers on the wall, Joey. You don't have to lie to us. Just stand, stand behind your words, stand behind your Instagram posts. Now I'm back. They might not have been direct that cam, but kind of fit I guess for the circumstances and you can't tell me that it, it wasn't a play on that one of the biggest headlines of the week with Cam saying that one of the biggest memes and gifts of the week of Cam saying that you can't tell me that wasn't the case whatever mm-hmm. but like you said he doesn't really have a leg to stand on uh this is your second time like this is your second time playing this and you're not even in our division so that tells a lot about your status as a kicker in the league this is what the third team you kick for this year fourth maybe because mm-hmm. it was Houston Carolina, San Fran. Yep. And San now, Fran. And then yeah, like, like, come on, man. Like, this, it was week 11. You've been on 14. He's like, all right, let's be for real. So, <laughs> I, I mean, it's the kicker. So, it, and, and if you win, you could do stuff like that. So, it's just like, all right, whatever. It's Joey. We may we may see him again this year for all we know. And he may <laughs> blow some kicks in that game. Um, the way yeah, for God's sake. He made a 36-yarder and a 29-yarder. Like, come <laughs> on, dude. Those are and, and all, they weren't all three of us in here might make those damn kicks. Right, Come on. right. And they weren't close. Like it wasn't like right down the middle. It was like they were almost like they were on the edge, most of them. So like uh it, it, he just nah, he's just blowing smoke, man. It's just <laughs> talking his crap. But um Carolina now sits at five and six. And uh I just wanted to get your guys' opinion on in the NFC, as we mentioned before. You know, there's a lot of teams. It, it's it's going to be a mess, and it's going to be a race to the very end to who gets in the playoffs. Uh, what record do you think gets Carolina into the playoffs, uh, you know, based off of the tiebreakers with the Eagles and the Vikings and all that? Um, and, I mean, do you even still think that this is a playoff team right now? I, I don't. And to be honest, I believed until last week. And it, hurt, it hates for me to say that, but I lost a lot of hope after last week's loss, not just because of who it is. I mean, the football team, we saw them beat Tampa pretty handily. I mean, they dominated uh, defensively and like they really had Tom Brady in a blender at times. But um, and to me, it's a week to week league. Like you can get beat by anybody if you can run the ball and whatever. That's why the NFL is so great, in my opinion. It's a lot of parity in the league. Um, but that really hurt just because I thought that was one of the gimme games. I mean, I was looking back. I was like, nine wins can maybe get us in. I was like, football team, Falcons, uh, Dolphins for sure. And I think we could sw- – I, I predicted we were going to sweep the Saints in preseason. So, I think that was there too. But, like, I heard a little bit because, okay, hey, we're not – the likelihood of us getting the nine is tough because who knows, but Tampa, it could be up and down. The Bills, obviously, we saw them get beat by the Jaguars, and the Jaguars didn't even score, I mean, uh, score a touchdown in the game. And then they get ran all over by the Colts this week. So it's like you don't know what you're going to get from a week-to-week basis from teams, and um, it, it, it's tough to say. And now eight wins, eight and nine may get you in there. You know, it's the way this NFC looks. It's a mess at the bottom, um, and every week is going to keep changing. But this seemed like a gimme game, and um, I, with Cam getting the rest off a situational football and getting more experience, like his numbers, he was efficient as hell. It's just from a situational basis, he said it himself, the guy to have it and the two-minute drills, it's just not there. And it's not really him. I mean, it's been 10 days. Those are the type of things that take rhythm. It take uh, it takes a lot of uh everybody being on the same accord when you're doing this stuff and know how to work this. And half the playbook's not even in. So how long is it gonna take us to get 
good and comfortable at those type of situations. Obviously, the red zone is going to be good because it's Cam Newton. It's one of the best red zone weapons of all time. But you see how we're struggling on third down. You see how two-minute drill, we had two shots, not even two minutes. The first time, we had four minutes left. We struggled there. Second time, we struggled there. There were some penalties involved, but still overall, there's certain plays that you can call that when he's here a little bit longer, we open up the playbook more, we'll be in better shape. But how long is that going to take? And, I mean, we're going to talk about the Miami game, obviously, but the bad, the, the bad teams that are on our schedule, they've been either hot or they're doing whatever. Some of the good teams that we saw before, they've been kind of losing and taking their lumps too. So you really never know what's going to happen down the stretch, but that really kind of hurt my hopes, I guess, this past Sunday's loss. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I said last week, I think nine's the magic number to get in. Looking at the, the way these teams have panned out, you maybe could get by with eight. It's going to be tight. But I felt like this week, this past week was a must win. They had to win this to stay in the hunt. I know they're still kind of in the mix, but there are a lot of the teams that are in that mix with them, they've lost to. So that hurts them. They already are like down on that. So I think there's a really small chance, but everything's got to align for them. Everything like they got they got to string together three, four wins. They need Minnesota. They got to beat New Orleans. Philly's got to lose. There's a lot that's got to line up. I mean, it's it's going to be a miracle if they do. But I think they're I think the entire way they're going to be pushing. Obviously, they went out and got Cam Newton, but I think I think it's going to come down to the wire. If I if I had a predict right now, I feel like they'd fall short. But you never know, man. These like you got like you were mentioning. But I mean, Buffalo losing to Jacksonville, like stuff like that is going to happen. So they have a chance. It's a very 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 small chance, though. Yeah, the Texans beating the Titans this past Sunday, like that's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. I, nobody, I mean, like who thinks of that? Like like Cam Newton wants like. Just said a couple of days ago, I can't even tell a lie that good. So uh, that, that, that's crazy. But uh, I, you know, I think um, I think absolutely they could still make playoffs. Possibly, um, I, it is going to be very, very hard. And and like you said, Curtis, they're going to need a lot of things to, to fall their way. Um, they're going to have to steal one from the Bucks at least one. Um, they're going to have to beat the Saints and the Falcons and the Dolphins. Um, and then the Bills game, you don't know what Bills team you're going to get. Like. Aaron was saying you, you might get the one where they play Jacksonville or you might get one where Josh Allen's on fire. He's thrown for almost 500 yards and five touchdowns or something like that. Yeah. So uh, the bills are just so hot and cold. I don't know what to make of them right now, but uh, that game would scare me. Obviously it's in Buffalo late December. Um, not really making for a great situation for Carolina up there, but um, it's going to be tough. And, you know, I, I'm excited to just be able to watch the Panthers and I, they're going to be entertaining at the very least, because I don't think they're going to get blown out by uh, any of these teams that they play for the rest of the season. But um, they're going to have to string together some wins and and have things fall their way to to get in. And, and if they did get in, man, I don't think anybody would want to play them. If they found a way to get in the playoffs, I do not think one team in the NFC would want to see Carolina in the playoffs. But uh, that's a long way from here, <laughs> and I'm I'm uh, I'm just kind of kind of hoping and, and dreaming, just kind of probably making up a fake scenario in my head, but um, Curtis, I know, I know you had another question. Uh, yeah. I, I wanted to, I was just curious because you know, the offensive line has gotten a lot of flack really all season. And I feel like these last what 
two to three weeks, maybe the last two could be three. They're really starting to string together at least some sort of protection for the quarterback. And I know Cam Newton helps out with his ability to scramble, but what are, what are your guys' thoughts on this offensive line? Because it feels like, you know, Brady Christensen looked like he played pretty well this week filling in for Daly. And I know Michael Jordan struggled in this game. But overall, it seems like this offensive line is – they're starting to find a unit here um, to offer some protection up. I'm just wanting to get your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because there's been – injuries there's been shuffling uh dennis daly will place 30 how many snaps i don't know even know how many snaps he played maybe a couple and he gets hurt so we have to put in our our rookie left tackle um but john milner comes off of ir he gets immediately put back in the lineup over trent scott who i thought was playing fairly decent uh michael jordan his addition throughout the year was uh seems to be a game changer i mean he didn't play great at all this game but he brings a little bit of an attitude um, that a lot of the other pieces on the offensive line don't always bring every play um, and a little bit of nastiness, which is what we need. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the past four games, I mean, they've started with the Falcons game. I mean, they gave up, what, six sacks against the Giants, something like that, but they've only given up two sacks over the last four games. I know that's not a fully telling sign because hurries and win percentage and all that may may break it down a little bit more, but um, it's definitely improvement, clearly. Um, we ran the ball. Um, at, at times it looks stellar doing it. Um, protection has been serviceable. That's really all we can ask for from a, a group that we thought was going to be uh, swinging gate at the beginning of the year. Um, but I think it's been a nice surprise. Um, and it's like I said, it, it seems like it doesn't matter who we've been plugging in, even with uh, Paradise going down recently and nothing getting insert, inserted back into that lineup at center. We've been playing pretty solid. I don't know what clicked. I don't know. I would say chemistry and continuity, but it hasn't been that. Usually that's the thing that kind of helps the offensive line, but it hasn't even been that. So uh, I don't know, but I like it and uh, <laughs> I don't want it to stop. So, yeah, you mentioned Elfline. A lot of people have shit on him and he yeah. has been looking real good at center. Yeah, uh, yeah that's good. his natural position. I mean, that's what he was drafted <laughs> to be. And um, I don't know what happened in Minnesota. I think they drafted the center every year after they drafted Elfline and um, moved Elfline to guard. But I mean, his rookie season, he was he was very good at center. Um, yeah, I think they drafted Bradbury. Um, was he from was he from state? Yeah, yeah, Gary Bradbury. Yeah. 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 So um yeah, I mean that's his natural position and and he's he's been good there. Uh I'm not sure, you know, why uh he's been playing guard, but yeah, <laughs> I, the 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 Paradis injury allowed him to move back to his natural position and he's showing uh, I I think Paradis is gone. Uh this I mean he's not he's a free agent this upcoming um yeah, offseason. So I, I I think they roll with Elfline and let Paradis walk, but um but yeah, the offensive line as a whole, uh, it's definitely made improvements throughout the season and um, up to now. And I think it's a serviceable offensive line. It's definitely not a great one, but um, it's definitely not as bad as the offensive line we're going to be playing against Sunday. Uh, Miami's offensive line is by far the worst in the league. So, uh, uh, I mean, it's almost like <laughs> it's like you got five five of me out there blocking for Tua. But uh, but yeah, uh, you know, and Taylor Moten obviously solid right tackle, one of the best in the league. Um, Brady Christensen, like you said, Curtis came in and he had like 26. Well, Moen had that, he had that costly holding penalty in that game. Oh, too, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. yeah I feel like he's time. got though, he's had a few of those this year where yeah. it is, it's at the wrong time, man. Yeah. yeah, it happens. I mean, it, but he's he's made way more good plays than bad plays, so 
Oh, mm. heck yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. So you just kind of, it happens. Um, but uh, Brady Christensen came in. I think he played 26 snaps and allowed zero pressures and uh, zero sacks. So uh, he, he played good at left tackle. You think he gets a start this weekend? I hope so. I mean, he, the, statistically, the highest graded left tackle in college football history, our pro football focus, plays good at left tackle in the NFL. Like, just <laughs> – I don't know what the deal is with this with this coaching staff wanting to put players where they didn't play for their most of their career, um, especially in the offensive line. But um, yeah, I, I hope uh, he gets another shot at left tackle because I think it's you know, it, imagine where he would be if he started left tackle week one to now. Like, where would he be right now? With we would know if if he's legit or not. First of all, and 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 he could have you know, work through some of those growing, growing pains in the NFL instead of, you know, him maybe getting his – was it would be his second start, I guess, right, because he started one other game or something. But, um, yeah, he started one other, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it it's just – I don't get the decisions sometimes by this coaching staff. But um, Pat Meyer's done a good job, I think, overall with uh, getting these players because uh, obviously – like Aaron said, it's it's not really continuity because they've been shuffling a lot. But uh, I think Pat Myers done a good job coaching them up and um, just kind of making the most of what we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bigger bigger picture though, like the Elfing thing, literally was the best thing that could have happened. Like, okay, the reason why they put him at guard is, I mean, I think he always was a backup plan for at center anyway. Um, but the reason why they put him at guard because I mean, Paradise he played solid last year, and you're paying him a lot of money, so you kind of got to play him there. Um, did we know that Elfie was going to actually be? And I think the, we're so amazed at why he's playing that good is because he was so horrible at guard. It's like, why <laughs> yeah. were you not? Why were you? You probably would have been a better backup center than starting guard. It helped us team more. <laughs> like, literally, you not, not being on the field would have helped us more. But the fact that we have well, him, the Irving contract is bad too, but we have both of these guys, which seem like, oh, we just paid two trash offensive linemen who don't need to be on this roster pass this year, X amount of dollars through. X amount of years, but now uh, Paradise, I can say he's not coming back. This is the second major injury. I mean, he was coming off an injury when we signed him in the first place. And so now he towards ACL. I think he's gone. But now you get your center for the foreseeable future with Elfine there, and he was already on your roster. Instead of having mm-hmm. to eat some dead money and cut him or have him on the bench making seven, eight million dollars next year, now he could be a starting center. Which is what is price. his contract? What is he making right now? Do we I know think that off? I think it's seven mil next year. I I, I could be wrong. I yeah, I think it. Was, I think when they signed him, it was like a two year, thirteen point five million. Well, what was like Paradis at? Was it around that too? Yeah, or is I, this I a think, cheaper? I think they were similar. And they've um, they've re, they restructured Paradis this offseason, but cap the cap hit for uh, Elfrey is seven million next year. Hmm. Um, which is like, not bad, but but even no. Cam Irving, like uh, before he went down, I didn't think Cam Irving was playing bad. I thought. He was making improvements um, up until the point he got injured, but obviously he wasn't playing great. Um, but, I mean, if, if Christensen continues to play like he plays, obviously Christian will be the starter. And uh, Irving is, I guess, good depth, but um, the contract doesn't warrant a, him being a depth piece. Obviously the contract is a starting contract, but, uh, but I mean, at worst, he's, he's, he's good depth. Yeah, I just feel like – I get the fan frustration because I'm one of them that they why they didn't start Christensen earlier, but I just feel like he really was not ready. And I get it. People want to be like, well, trial by fire, put him in there. It can't get much worse. But I really think it would have been even really, really freaking worse if they would have had him in there starting the season. Um, I think people were, I think Cam Irving 
played serviceable at times, if that's the right word. Mm-hmm. And then there was other times he just looked God awful. So yeah, it's one of those things where, where would Christensen be right now? I feel like we'd all be asking that if he started week one and played his way through, but you know, hopefully they found him and they, Matt rule will trust him this week again, but I, it just seems like it doesn't seem like Matt rule wants to start him. I don't know. I, I just feel like he's hesitant almost. Yeah. At I think he that think he's ready either. Yeah. I think like he agrees with you that he doesn't think he's ready. And I, I didn't think he was ready earlier in the year either. Um, solid game there. Um, it's about, as a rookie, it's about consistency. Like, can you do this on a week-to-week basis? Yep. Yeah, you did it this week against – I don't even know the guys that were playing on the edge for no. Washington this week without, without Young and Sweat. So that that's well and good, but can you do it? I mean, I, and I don't even know where the next test is. When is the next big-time DN that we face? Um, I don't know who Miami has on the edges, but I, it doesn't seem like there's going to be – Saints maybe or yeah. the Bucks. Yeah, so I mean, he this would be a good time to get him in there and start him if that's the case. I mean, if Bailey's hurt, I think he's definitely the guy because your only other option is uh, Trey Scott. Maybe when you've been hesitant to put him at left tackle all year, and then mm-hmm. I don't know what Cam Irvin's injury status is, when he'll be back or whatever. I know he's on IR, but um, I don't know when he's eligible to return. Did so, you guys get a good look at John Miller? I didn't notice much from him in the game, but I was kind of confused why they went back to him. Because I thought Scott was playing decent. Matt Rule loves John Miller. He is yeah. <laughs> Johnny Miller. He's always calling him Johnny Miller, saying he's one of the toughest dudes he knows. And just Matt Rule loves him some John Miller. And, and he did play good, uh, I thought, at Washington, but or versus Washington. But uh, I don't know. I, I think Matt Rule just likes him better and feels more comfortable starting him. And um, the, the main thing with John Miller is that, yeah, he plays some good games, but he's just – He'll play a couple good games, then he has like one really, really, really bad game, and then like plays a couple good games, one really, really, really bad. Like he just needs to work on his consistency and being able to week week in, week out perform at a, a high level. So, um, mm-hmm. I think I think that's what was the situation there. Well, why don't we why don't we talk about Miami? Because that's you know this this is a must win. Like they cannot lose this game, or it's they're done. Yeah. There is no way in hell they're making the playoffs <laughs> in this weekend. Like seriously. Yeah. But let's let's talk about them because Miami and and Aaron uh, talked about this a little bit before, but this team is hot and cold. Miami, they can put up. They look like a decent team every once in a while, and then they wet the bed. And oh, it looks like we lost him there. But yeah, there there's a there are a team where. You know, they'll show flashes once in a while, and then they look just terrible. So, Bryson, what what do you see in this matchup versus Miami? We'll try to get Aaron back here in a little bit. But what do you see just on the surface um, with Carolina going down to Florida? Yeah, so um, on a weekly basis, I always like to mention who's the favorite. So, Carolina is a road favorite at Miami, um, 1.5 favorite. Um so take that for what you will. Like you mentioned, Miami is hot right now. They've won three in a row. Um, they are coming off of wins against Baltimore. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Um, then last week they beat the Jets. But, uh, but yeah, um, Miami seems to um, – defensively, Miami, I think, might cause problems for this offense. They have a lot of uh, uh, zero blitz packages, and um, that's what really – 
caused the Ravens a lot of problems. Uh, they just had no answer for their for their packages. Um, their zero blitz packages, it, it just ruined the day for Lamar Jackson, really, um, and they got after him all day. Uh, I'm worried about that a little bit. Uh, I think the defense has a bounce-back game um, in this game. Um, I'm not really scared of Tua very much. I mean, I wasn't scared of Taylor Heineke either, but uh, I think that the defense kind of hopefully um, – takes this game as a, like, we are an elite defense and we want to prove it um, type game and kind of handles Tua a little bit. But uh, if I'm being honest, I am, I am worried about that Dolphin defense because it's pretty good, uh, especially with the, with the way that they run it. Um, let's see. So uh, another thing I want to mention was um, Cam played the Dolphins last year twice, but his last game he played um, – Cam threw for 155 yards and he ran for 75 yards and two touchdowns and they won the game 21 to 11. So he's seen this Miami team twice in the past year or so. Um, and I think the first game they played them, they, they lost, but um, Cam's, Cam's got a history with them and he's kind of been, he's played well against them when they did play. So I think Miami kind of struggles to, to scheme against him, but um, those zero blitz packages scare the hell out of me um, personally. So uh are we doing predictions or no? Right we'll, now? we'll see what not okay. yet. Aaron, okay. what, what's your thoughts? Just surface level of the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, Bryson said it. Like, it, it, Cam has experience against these guys. Um, we like I said, we saw them do the zero blitz. That, I I think I don't know if they're gonna do that. I think that's a very scheme specific thing. Granted, you could say, okay, yeah, they were the Ravens. They have a running quarterback in Lamar. We have Cam, um, but I, I just I just think that it, it just it matches very, very from week to week. And so, I mean, Flores, can they put the game plan together? We saw last year in those Patriots games, they used Cam's legs a lot in those games. And that was that was more of the thing that they used. They tried during the air being small, shorter passes, obviously. Our receiving course is a little bit better than what the Patriots threw on the field last year. But um, they played to the Cam's legs. And surface level, they've been on a they've been on a winning streak um, ever since they've kind of they haven't even really been all in on Tua. The game that he won in primetime against them, he kind of they threw him in there. So um, it, it's it'll be interesting to see. And like I said, I agree with you. It's a must win for sure. Um, it, no, regardless, you can't lose this game. Um, they're one and a half point favorites right now. Um, I think that's easy money to put on the Panthers. I usually don't even bet on the Panthers, but um, I'll probably lay that money. But I think I think it's a game that Miami, obviously at home, they can be tricky. I mean, we've seen some of the mighty fall down there in Volvid or the South Beach. Uh, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it'll be an interesting matchup. Yeah, and um, I was just looking at their schedule. Bryson already said this. There were 3-0. and This is not going to be a cakewalk whatsoever. I mean, this team beat the Ravens, looking at some of their most recent wins. And another thing, and just taking everything into account, and I get it. They play in Carolina, so the weather isn't that cold. But Sunday, you got a 78 degrees. You know, Carolina's going to have to adapt to that heat. I know there are teams that struggle with that more, more often than not in the north. But something to just keep in mind is the heat, cramping, that sort of thing on Sunday. That's something to take into account. And Miami's defense is playing pretty well right now. I think they're they're the third in the NFL for scoring defense. So this this offense can be put to the test. But 
you guys have mentioned it. Cam Newton saw these guys twice last year, so I think that helps him a little bit. Um, another test is going to be Jalen Waddell and Mike Gusecki. I mean, those those are pretty two good, you know, receiving targets. I feel like, you know, does Carolina, does Stephon Gilmore go to Phil Snow this week and say, I want to, I want uh, Waddle the entire game, like he did with Kyle Pitts, sort of thing. That could be something you see. Um, I feel like Gusecki's going to be a good test for the linebacking linebackers for the for Carolina because he's a he, he's a pretty good tight end. So that's something to look out for. And then you got Tua. Tua, you know, he's – I feel like he's been battling injuries this year and he's hit or miss. I mean, what Tua are you going to get? So I feel like that will help this defense. But, again, I think Carolina is going to have a bounce back. The way Shaq Thompson looked in his press conference, that team is going to – that defense – is going to come out with some fire on Sunday. There's no, he there's no way in hell. To the media, man. There's <laughs> no way in hell. Cause that, that's like every week though. Like he, he, he's not normally as grumpy as he was in that, in that, he was uh, grumpy meeting, though, man. But, uh, <laughs> or in, in that conference press conference. But like every time I tune in, like Shaq Thompson talking to me, he's like, all right, you got, you got a couple minutes. All right. You got two minutes. I got kids. All right. Like he, he's just like snappy, like, like once it done quick and out of there, which I don't blame him. Man. He's been working all day and then he has to talk to the media. So, um, but yeah, he was not in a good mood at all. That last week. It was, it, it was, <laughs> that's good though. though. They should be, man. They, yeah. they, that, that defense should have a fire under their ass this week. Seriously. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I think this is the week that since they have a bad offensive line and, and uh, two of being a little inexperienced, I think this is the week we go back to the typical field snow that we've seen bringing a lot of exotic blisters. It hasn't really worked against bad quarterbacks. They just get the ball out quick uh, or they try to run the ball at us. But when you have an inexperienced guy or a backup or somebody like that that can't process defenses and get the ball out quick, um, we've been we've been pretty successful doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I think we cook it up this week on defense. I think the defense bounces back in a major way. Um, We'll see what the offense does. But uh, I think we, we play so many bodies on defense that I think the heat, even if it is a factor, just getting to the players, I think we have enough depth to make up for it defensively, especially mm -hmm. in the second day. It's a valid point. So um, I, I feel pretty good about the game, but, I mean, we just lost to the football team. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, what, what they, feeling, they got what swept by the NFC East. I, saw, I heard someone say that a couple of days ago, and that it just – that's, that's so that's shit. hard to think about, that's, man. That's dog shit. <laughs> yeah, that's embarrassing. Yeah, because I mean, bad. going into the year, I think we all would say that was the you know that was the division we were looking forward to playing. You know, like yeah, like, man. <laughs> but <laughs> well, why I, don't we get to predictions? Let's get to predictions. Yeah, and I, I was going to mention. I, I hope Stephon Gilmore gets to play more of a, like uh, a full package of plays, and he gets on the field more. I think he said that he was getting to the point of being able to do that. So. I hope that they um, get. I think this the is the more. week it happens. Yeah, I um, they definitely need them. So, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and start with my prediction. Um, I do think Carolina wins. Um, well, I hope Carolina wins. Uh, I think it's going to be a low scoring game, uh, and I I got the Panthers winning seventeen to ten. Oh, that's a that's going to be a boring one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Aaron. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think this is a big week for uh, the team. I, I, my score prediction, I'm going to say 24 to 13. 
I think the defense finally scores are actually a touchdown. They, they get a lot of turnovers, but they have yet to score a touchdown. Obviously, we had the block punt and stuff like that, but I don't really count that for defense. Um, I think this is the week they get on the board to give the offense a little bit, um, despite the offense a little bit more, uh, a couple of points this week. Um, I'm not sure what they expect from this offense. As um, long as they don't turn the ball over, I think they'll be fine. But I, I got them winning by double digits. I don't have them scoring too much more than their average of 20 points. So I got it 24-13. Yeah, this is, this is do or die. I mean, the leaders of this team, they need a light of fire under everyone's asses. And this is this is playoff football from here on out for this team. And I I'm confident they're going to come out. They're going to come out swinging on both sides. I think it's going to be. What did you say? I'm going to make sure I don't fuck this up like I did last week. Aaron, <laughs> what was your prediction? 20, 24-13. 24-13. I'm going bigger. I'm going 28-10. I think this defense Jeez. is gonna. I think this defense is gonna hold Miami. They're gonna come out of fire. I think Stephon Gilmore might play most of the game. I really do. I feel like this team realizes that their backs against the wall. They can't lose anymore. So I think Stephon's gonna play a lot. The defense is gonna lock down. Hassan's gonna have a sack or two. I mean that guy's playing lights out. Brian Burns, give that guy a sack too. Why not? And. Uh, yeah, I, I really think they're going to come out – seriously, come out swinging. 28-10, that's my prediction. And I just pray this team can get a win because – and that that's another question I wanted to say – or ask because I know it's – I know there are a lot of fans who already want to see Matt Rule gone already, but if this team, just looking ahead, if they were to lose this game, that puts them at 5-7 and seven, pretty much out of playoff contention, you would think. Is that seat getting warm for Matt Rule? I think the seat already is warm for Matt Rule, and I think that's why uh, you've seen a couple of the moves recently that that have happened. But um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think uh, I tweeted. I don't. I think if this team can't get to eight wins this season, that we might be looking for a new coach uh, this this upcoming offseason. And uh, I mean, we've seen fire like Matt Matt Nagy's reportedly reportedly being fired after the Thanksgiving game, which is extremely fucked up to make him go out there and coach that game and then him know he's getting fired after, but uh, that's, that's a different situation. And then um, Jason Garrett was just fired today uh, from the giants. So it's that time of year again. And um, you know, I, people like to mention, uh, Oh God, they signed Matt Rule to a seven year contract, $70 million or whatever, but David Tepper wants um, production. He wants, um, he wants to see a winning team on the field. And this roster as currently constructed, I think, is a winning roster. Like you can win games with this roster. Um, mm -hmm. But like last week they were outcoached. They were like in every phase of, of the game, they were outcoached um, and by the former coach that he replaced. So that doesn't make it any better. Um, but yeah, I think absolutely. Um, if they lose to Miami and then they struggle the rest of the season, um, if they can't get to eight wins, I really do think that it is a, a strong possibility. We might be looking for a new coach uh, this upcoming off season. Yeah, my, I I think it could be, but I doubt it. I think it gets at least one more year. Um, there's always some kind of silver lining or saving grace to be like, oh, we got to give him another chance. Like, you just got Cam Newton. You're probably going to sign him to a multi-year deal to be the bridge quarterback so you get your young guy. You didn't bring Cam in to the end of the year. For better or for worse, or why it happened, it is what it is. That's the situation we're in now. Especially if Cam shows any kind of like progression in the game and the offense looks a little bit better, we feel good about the team. I still don't think we're going to the playoffs, but 
there is a certain level of talent on this team where you expect certain things to happen. Um, so I, I get that there. And it's not just that, it's the way you're losing. It's the consistent mismanaging of timeouts and the clock. Sometimes you go into the half with all three timeouts because you didn't want to be aggressive on the final drive before halftime. Some drives you burn all three at timeouts before the first quarter is even over. Then sometimes mm-hmm. the crowd starts booing, so you call a timeout and end up going for it on fourth down. So it's yep. like I, you, you preach analytics, but you don't stick to it all the time. It doesn't seem like – and then if you look up on Twitter, Matt Rule, game management, there's tweets from angry Baylor fans from like years ago talking about his game management and time management skills. So this is a consistent pattern. So those are things that can be a fireable offense. Is it this year? I, I don't think so. Um, just because, like I said, the circumstances and the way we're trending with this dominant defense, it seems like one. It seems like we're good, a good offensive offseason away from really being able to contend. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to at least give Matt Rule a chance to taste the wine from the grapes that he stomped. Uh, so I think he gets at least one more year, at least. But yeah, next year with Cam, if we don't compete and make the playoffs, or we have like a plan in place, yeah, it's a wrap. I think. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, Bryson knows where I stand on this. I feel like they'd still give him another year. Um, I'll tell you what, though. If they lose to Miami, that's, this fan base might be out. I'll tell you that right now. At least the folks on Twitter, because they've been calling for Matt Rule's head since the start of the year. And, man, it's it's going to get ugly if they lose this weekend. I'm just going to keep it short. I, th- I think he's got three years, and I feel like every coach – in the situation he was put in it should at least get three years. And that's just where I'll keep it. Let's end on something fun here. Uh, we, we all know we love talking about Mac Jones, but let's, let's leave, let's end on this with Thanksgiving. So Mac Jones today said he doesn't like apple pie. Matt Judon today called Mac and cheese disgusting. Okay. I'm just curious. What is your guys's favorite Thanksgiving side dish? I'll give you a little bit to think about it. I'll go. I, I'm from Wisconsin. I've mac and cheese is not a thing at Thanksgiving or Christmas. It never was. But since I, but since I moved down here to the south, southeast, um, mac and cheese is obviously like a staple during this time, and I, I think it's the greatest thing ever. I don't know why the hell we don't do that up north. Yeah, so. cheese heads don't you don't eat mac and cheese for yeah. no, it just wasn't make no thing. damn sense. Stuffing and yams and all that other and mashed potatoes, but mac and cheese was never on the menu. But I'll tell you what, that is probably my favorite side during the holidays because it's something I wasn't ever used to, and it's homemade mac and cheese, not mm. the craft bullshit and the Velveeta crap. Homemade mac and cheese is where it's at. And I, I would probably go with that or mashed potatoes. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead. It's it's tough because I, I, I really love all all sides of Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving <laughs> is legitimately my favorite holiday. Like once you get it's to a certain home. age, Christmas really isn't fun anymore because you don't get gifts anymore without like no conscience. You got to think about getting who that and whatever. And you're probably not going to get what you want in return anyway. And it's just a whole lot of stress and money spent that you just feel like you're doing it for lip service. And because Christmas is, is Christmas regardless, but Thanksgiving is, is, is my favorite holiday, but the side, I got to say some good cornbread dressing in a pan baked mm-hmm. like 
I used to eat, I used to eat cranberry sauce out of the can when I was younger, but dressing with some giblet gravy with some boiled egg in it, it's unmatched. It is really unmatched. And I I hate I hate to discriminate against my other favorite sides. Mac and cheese is definitely a close second. But yeah, I gotta go with dressing. All right. Before Bryson goes, we gotta have a con- we gotta have a debate here. Dressing versus stuffing. Why the hell do we call it a dressing? <laughs> no, no such thing as stuffing, in my opinion. It, it, no such thing. I, I, it's not a thing to me. I don't, I don't call it that. It's, it's, it's. I don't know. It's something that you put inside of a turkey, I guess. But I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I do love stovetop stuffing, but it, it's just a whole different ball game when it comes to dressing. I got you. I got you, Bryson. Well, I absolutely hate stuffing, and just smelling it makes me sick. I don't know. I, I ate what? some bad stuffing. I ate some bad stuffing one year, and just like I've had an aversion to it ever since. And like, Dang. it just makes me sick to even think about. But, um, <clears throat> but does it have to be a side? Because like my favorite thing that you don't think is giving is turkey. Like I, I'm a really huge see a lot of people don't say no. You can say that a lot of people. Yeah, don't. I'm I'm a huge turkey fan, and uh, I do like ham as well. But it has to be like the the sweet like honey baked ham. Like I like that ham. Um, but I don't like like the like black forest ham, you know, sandwiches and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, turkey is probably my favorite thing to eat, especially if it's like a deep fried turkey or even like a smoked turkey on, on like a Traeger or something. Oh my god, that, that I'll, I'll be eating that turkey all day long, man. And then and the leftovers, you make like a turkey sandwich later on. Oh man, it's it's elite. See, Nothing I like could get rid of the turkey. Honestly, I'm not a big turkey. I'll I'll eat it on Thanksgiving, but. Oh man, it's gotta have gravy or something on it. That shit's just it just I, I, I saw Popeyes has they're selling like whole turkeys, like Cajun turkeys. And yeah, I, I, I'm I'm thinking about going to buy me one and, and, and smoke it for a little bit, man. That those look good, man. Those you better good. order it today. You better order it today, otherwise they're gonna be sold out. I tried to get one last year on like <laughs> the night before Thanksgiving, they were sold out. And it was oh, like, man. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make a reservation on them because oh, they're that popular. I mean, they make yeah. them good. Their seasonings are legit already, and then you don't have to do all the work that goes into making a turkey. So, yeah, that, is it already true. cooked? Is it just heat yeah. up and eat? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. I have never heard of that. Interesting. I saw it on TikTok. So I was like, man, <laughs> I'm, 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 I might have to hop on that. But. <laughs> well, I think we can end it there. Uh, we just want to thank Aaron again for coming on. First timer on the Panthers on Tap podcast. Go give him a follow on Twitter at Dunk On Demand. Also, go subscribe to his YouTube channel, Unnecessary Bluntness Sports Talk. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on tonight. We really appreciate it. I appreciate Amen. you guys for having me, man. Appreciate you. Got to get you guys on my channel next time. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen to that. You have, you have a good Thanksgiving, too. All right, fellas. Thanks, man. We just want to thank Aaron again for coming on to the Panthers on Tap podcast. Always a pleasure getting some new folks on and talking Panthers football. Now let's get to our draft picks of the week. All right, Curtis, I will start us off. Um, This week I am drinking a beer from South Carolina. So shout out to Aaron. He is originally from South Carolina and Kind of owed to our South Carolina listeners. Um, this is a brewery called Westbrook Brewing Company in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Um, this is the White Tie. It is a beer inspired by Southeast Asian cuisine. Um, it is a Belgian wheat beer, uh, tra- traditional coriander, orange peel, um, fresh lemongrass, ginger root, and a dash of 
Sriracha Ace Hops. Um, it is. It was pretty good. Uh, it says that the refreshing L with notes of lemon, candy, citrus, fruit, and a slight spiciness uh, from the ginger. Um, it was, like I said, um, a good beer, and I, I would drink it again. Um, I've never had this brewery before or heard of them, um, but I got this at Lowe's Foods. So if you are interested, go pick it up and give it a try. That sounds good. Where is that from again? Where in South Carolina? Uh, Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Mount Pleasant. Yep. Well, it's the holidays or we're getting close to Thanksgiving. So I had to bust out some wine again. And uh, this week I'm drinking Sunkissed Sangria from Childress Vineyards in Lexington, North Carolina. It's really good wine. It's a white wine. Sweet. I think you would like this. It's kind of got like almost... It's not like a champagne, but it's got a little fizz to it, just a tad. Um, it says, this is part of the description, feel the beat with dancing rays of sun-kissed goodness. <laughs> All right. Oh, I can't even say anything without laughing. 11% <laughs> alcohol. It's pretty, it's a really good wine. Uh, the bottle here is gone, so. We definitely <laughs> liked it over at our household. But, yeah, it's a good wine. Give it a try. Children's Vineyards has got some pretty good wine. And their they're, um, they're tasting room, or whatever you want to call it, is it's really nice. It's pretty big. So go check them out. That's in Lexington, North Carolina. Again, Sunkiss Sangria from Children's Vineyards. Well, we just want to thank everyone for listening in to our podcast. You can catch all of our episodes Every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast, just search Panthers on Tap. You can follow us on Twitter at Panthers on Tap for all your analysis and breaking news. And as always, 